What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, great. Another call from a happy customer. Fleet Maddox takes the drama out of business. Make fleet tracking more intelligent with real-time tracking, fuel monitoring, and more. Visit fleetmaddox.com start or call 1-877-350-DEMO for intelligence at work. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Good morning, Richmond, on this beautiful race day downtown. This is WLE News Talk 990. Hope you had a successful and profitable week, and now it's time to make it complete. This is Richmond Biz Live, the show that is growing Richmond's economy one company at a time, and here's your opportunity over the next hour to make that company yours. You can join the show, or you can reach us at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483, or even easier, 844-BIZ-LIVE. I'm your host, William Eastman, Managing Partner for the GrowthWorks, a uh, Richmond headquartered company that's, uh, that is in the small business growth um, arena, and we've got offices in Kansas City, Las Vegas, and if you're from Alberta, you would say Calgary rather than Calgary. Um, and this is the spot to be at Saturday morning at 10 o'clock because we are Richmond businesses helping Richmond business. And that is a really important part of what we're about is that everybody that's on here is a business expert in the arena and they're also an owner. So they're not talking about, they're not talking from a perspective of theory. They're talking about a perspective of this has been my experience. Now, this week's talk, topics are going to focus on increasing your uh, your company's market intelligence and then using that information to improve cash flow and sales. Uh, each one of uh, these shows are organized in a 10-minute conversation, and that is delivered by a local business expert to answer three questions. Why is it critical? How can you benefit from this? And then what do you do about it? Okay, Everything that we cover in the show is available on our website, at richmondbizlive.com. And again, the show, if you want to talk to us, is 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. And the last thought I had before I introduce our, re, re-reintroduce our, our first guest this morning is that this show started from my Saturday morning, uh, about 10 o'clock, about this time, I'm sitting at my desk with my coffee and I'm looking at four things about my business. Number one, are we on plan? And I'm looking at sales for the week. Did we close what we're supposed to? What are our numbers in terms of how many leads into the system are converting into contracts? Number two, are we on schedule? Are the products and services that we are building this week for clients, are, are we there? What is our cost? The third one is the status of cases, uh, customer complaints, customer issues. Have we resolved those? Have we taken care of them? Uh, or is there something I got to do today? And then the last one, and probably the most important, 
Now, leading up to our next segment is Are We on Budget? And so those are the four things I thought that uh, you would benefit from. I've been in business 35 years. This is my sixth startup. Two of those were incredibly successful. Two of them tanked and wiped me out, and two are kind of mitzah mitzah, kind of in between. Uh, and one of them is the one I'm in now, so we'll find out. So anyway, let me uh, let me move over to our first segment today, and I'd like to bring back to the show our expert on small business finance, and she's going to be talking about cash flow today, uh, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. Good seeing you again, Linda. Bill, it is great to be back. I was listening to your intro, and um, the discipline that you apply weekly to, tr- to track those things for weekly is huge. And I'll bet if our audience all adopted just that one practice, they would um, their businesses would expand I, dramatically. I, 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 I think, think that's I, huge. I'm very what, impressed. What else, what else is metrics. there to know about? Are we right. selling? Are we making? Yeah. Are the customers happy? And yeah. are we making money? Well, they keep coming okay. back. There you go. I love it. Well, my topic this week is managing finance, and um, you'll remember last week we talked about the fact that a business can lose money from time to time and still keep going, but you can only run out of cash once. So what I'd like to do is kick it off with, let's make sure we all are on the same page. What do we mean by cash flow? Because it is a buzzword. People throw it around without thinking. And I thought, I know you're working with a client that fits right into our audience profile. I thought you might have some thoughts. What do you think the idea of cash flow means to them? Well, it's... um. Yeah, just for everybody's information, I have a, a, a really good company I'm working with in southwestern Virginia, and I'm taking over as of Monday as the number two person in the congratulations. firm. Congratulations. Uh, well, we'll see if it's congratulations <laughs> or not. I may be insane. Uh, but the challenge is, is that um, like most small businesses, what they allowed is they allowed uh, variable costs to become fixed costs, and then pretty soon, though they were profitable at $8 million, at $7.5, they are not. And so their cash flow problem is pretty simple. They don't have enough cash on hand uh, between lines of credit, cash itself, and uh, the difference between AR and AP mm-hmm. to run the business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we pick up on Andy's theme from last week, what we're doing is we're using lean to get the cost down, and we're going to use that as the process to help manage cash flow, at least make the cash available so right. we can manage cash flow. Awesome. Well, that's one of that's the first one we're going to talk about. Um, and that sounds, you've touched on some very typical things. I'll tell you what makes me nuts is when someone says, oh, cash flow is tight. We need more sales. Or, oh, cash flow is tight. We just need to, a bigger line of credit at the bank. Um, right away, I feel like that person does not put a lot of credence in data and facts and starting with fact-based decision-making. Um, so you're smart. Let me put you on the spot, Bill. Okay. You're a smart guy. If you go out one morning to um, start your car and it doesn't start, what's the first thing you do? Uh, well, the first thing I would do is I would, uh, let's see, as an old car mechanic, the, what you would check is, do I have spark, do oh, I have no. gas, or do I have air? <laughs> okay, but you hit on the point. You don't just run and pour gas in the tank no. or grab the, the jumper cables. You actually do a diagnostic. and That's, that's right. So I'm going to switch managing cash flow today to let's diagnose it. Okay. Because there are some things, if you go down the wrong path first, you could make the problem worse. We're going to talk about operating issues, how they might be driving cash flow problems, revenue issues, how that's, um, but that shouldn't be a reflex. And then balance sheet management, that's the big sinkhole I see. And to tell you the truth, for our customers, it's going to be a combination of all three. So the way you spot an operations issue, um, that's important because sloppy operations will not give you a successful, thriving business. And you ought to be asking your accounting department to give you financials that also have ratios with them and what we call common size. I can deal with individuals who want okay. to know more about that. Uh, um, are you saying that uh, that for an industry there are there is 
Yes, uh, there are ratios for yes. an industry, so you could compare yes. how well you're doing against other people in your niche. Exactly, and if you're not getting that information, shame on you. That's huge. Um, and then tracking your business activities, key performance indicators against your financials to see where it's going. And you've touched on lean last week. Andy touched on lean. Um, what I'd say is in a company with 20 or more employees, most of your employees are probably impacting operations, not sales. And so if you can identify operating weaknesses and fix it, yeah. that's good. you're going to solve that problem. That pays for itself over and over and over. Um, one quick way, I'm a math person, one quick way to do the math is um, if you want to see what's stealing from your bottom line, take your cost of goods sold ratio, compare it to your industry, multiply the difference by your revenue. And that's just a beginning measure of how much profit is not falling to the bottom line, which is that is going to wow. impact your cash. I'm going to do that Tuesday. when I'm And call me. I, I will up. help you with the math. Okay. okay. So the next thing, moving on to revenue, because that's where everybody goes first. So the first thing I say, are you asking or insisting on getting a break-even analysis of your business at least once a year? Because this report will show you the absolute lowest sales level, and you touched on it describing yeah. your company, that you can tolerate to cover your direct costs we're and getting, your in, overhead. In Roanoke, we're getting once a month. Okay. You need to see where you're moving because you're in, a, in crisis. Because mode. right now I'm looking at the trend, and the trend's got to be positive. Okay. And the actual, so you compare your actual sales to your break-even number, and that tells you whether you have a revenue problem. And I can give you a formula to quantify that. Let's say we've got a business doing $7.4 million, that, or they need seven point four. That's what the break-even shows. Right. Their actual is $6.8 million. That means they're 600000 short per year, 50000 short per month, or about 12000 short per week. And you actually need to convert that into how many transactions per week do we need to get above and beyond what we're doing now to begin to move that in the right direction. And what I find is that everybody jumps to, we need more new customers. That's the hardest sale to get. There are other angles. Uh, absolutely. The other, another angle would be, of our existing customers, how many are not using other products and services that we offer? Right. Of our existing customers, how many could be buying, retain everybody longer? You know, what can we do on that side of the business? Well, you hit on something that uh, Mike Carroll talked about uh, two weeks ago. And uh, th that is the, the whole issue about going after existing accounts versus new ones. Yes. Um, uh, the number I've always used is it's five times more expensive uh, to get a new account than it is to go after an old one because of the cost of sales. Right. Because, uh, you know, uh, unless, of of course, unless, of course, you're doing a horrible job, <laughs> <laughs> then you can't get any sales from existing customers. But you're quite right. What we're doing is we're ignoring the sales equation completely because my concern is, because they're upside down, is money is bad. Every right. dollar that comes in is so burdened. Right. That it's not good money. It's let's let's get the cost under control. So right. therefore, when we bring in a dollar, there's actually some margin to it. Well, that and the other thing is we haven't talked about balance sheet, and we really need to talk about the balance sheet because that can can just suck cash out of a business. Mm -hmm. And it's an area that I see does not get enough focus. I've been a banker. I've owned businesses. It doesn't get the right focus, and um, solving that is huge. And actually. A growing business, if you are increasing revenue rapidly, it will consume cash before it um, throws off cash. So you okay. don't want to jump start with number two first. But the reason we start with operations is you need those ratios yeah. to calculate that break right. even. Um, so I hope when Mike talks today about market trends that they're going to listen to um, each of those five areas that we just touched uh, on. I, I'm sure Mike's listening to the show. <laughs> okay, so balance sheet issues. Um what what you really need on your team is somebody who's going to convert all these lovely ratios into actual dollars 
and I'll show you how to do that in a second. We're going to touch on AR. Right. And you may want to say something about your customer's inventory. And then here's what happens that catches them a lot of times. The company is profitable on paper. So they are going to owe taxes. But the balance sheet is consuming cash, and they can't pay those taxes, or they've got principal payments of debt, and it becomes a real challenge to what do we pay yeah. this week. It's the old joke of what's in the cigar box, because I don't care what the numbers say in terms of the accounting is. There's a cigar box someplace that's got money in it. Oh. <laughs> I never knew about the cigar box. I well, missed you know, that. Most startup guys, man, they you know they have a strong box or a cigar box. They they you know they, that's how they kind of go. Uh, the one thing I'd say about AR is that the greatest difference that we've made so far is that I put somebody on top of AR and we've cut it in half. And what we had basically was a a dual distribution. We had uh, we had uh, some payments that were owed way out and some that were in. I have somebody now who is calling. In fact. When your AR, when your bill gets to three weeks, a week before it's due, they call to make sure that there's no problems, like there is not something we didn't do to prevent them from paying on time. That is a huge strategy. Maybe we can dig into that another time. I did okay. that when I owned my construction company, and that was how we um, really kept ourselves above water. Um, so let me quantify the receivables. Let's say we have a company doing $5 million in annual sales, right. and on average, their customers are paying 30 days late. And I can put the formula on the the website, right. but that's $410 million of cash that those customers are sucking out of a $5 million business. And I'll bet that business does not show a $410,000 net profit. As a matter of fact, the rule I always used over 30 days, I'm loaning you money. You are, you're being the bank and you're not getting paid for it. The risk premium. Um, one last thing on receivables, that same $5 million business, um, 45 days excess of inventory, whatever the mm-hmm. problem is, $308,000 of cash. So now you've got a, a potential, and, that, and I see that all the time. I've seen that on financials. So that's why it's important to get the balance sheet under control as well as the operations before you go to ramp up revenue. So I've I, got, I know I've thrown out a lot of math, and we haven't given them. Well, but, but, but they, they can get all this information from you, can't they? They can. And what I'd like for them to do is go to our website, www.financialholographics.com, Go to the Getting Started tab and scroll down to the bottom and look at the file markers review. Um, that is where we can analyze, do a custom cash flow analysis for them and work on them with strategies. And they can reach out to me through contact and we'll talk about how I can help. Okay. And then, of course, next week what I'll do is I'll talk about how I applied that um, in the featured guest role on how I applied that down in Roanoke. Linda, always great seeing you. Thanks. And we'll be back. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, my name is Eric McCalma, CEO of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts works relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audiences. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com or richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. 
And we're back. This is WLE News Talk 990, and the show is Richmond Biz Live. And uh, we just had a great 10 minutes with Linda Heath from Financial Holographics, and Linda was talking about the area of managing cash flow. Now what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pick up the theme that Eric at um, Eric McCama at Firestarters um, has been running for the last couple of weeks about branding, and we're going to make a transition now. This is going We're going to talk about both branding and strategy in this show. And with me is a colleague of mine that I have not seen in a good many years, uh, Charles Colley. Charles, welcome nice. to the show, man. Nice to be here. Uh, excited to talk about branding and strategy and uh, how to take a lot of what uh, was just said and uh, look at it from a little different perspective. Great. So, so help me w- out with this because I think you probably got two things you got to do. One is we got to close the loop on, because uh, you're going to talk about market research, you're going to talk about it from a branding perspective, and then you're going to go to strategy. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the branding side. Okay. Well, first of all, I think we've got to define terms here. Um, one of the things that I've uh, always been accused of is being a little upside down in my perspective on branding. Uh, I believe <laughs> that branding is a decision-making tool more than it is a marketing tool. So I think it, it encapsulates both the management of your business and the marketing of your business. So it's it's not a subset of marketing. It is the bigger piece. Then you, you and I are upside down together because, as a matter of fact, I think branding has priority over strategy. I think it drives strategy. Well, that's why we call it branding and strategy, not strategy and branding. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I think the uh, research piece is the piece that gives you the insights that you need to define your brand and to define your strategy. So it's kind of the linkage that I, I see there. Um, a lot of people talk about market, market uh, research. Right. I think there's a difference between market research and brand research. Okay. And um, let me just yeah, give, you, give you a quick idea of that. I think market research is more about the what. It's about seeking to quantify your demand for your current products and services and the demand, potential demand for your new and future products and services, whereas brand research is more about the why. And it's about how to command a premium price in a way. Uh, it's how customers perceive you. It's why they choose you over the competition. And it's how to best communicate that brand message to that audience. Right, because the brand is actually a promise. If you're very good at branding, you have now promised something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, David. I used to work with David Martin, the founder of the Martin Agency, and he always talked about brand being an expectation of performance. So right. if, if, if it's an expectation, it definitely is a promise that you're making to your to your employees as well as your customers. So now if, I got, if I've been very good at branding, of course, if they're working with Firestarter, they would be very good at branding. Now the question becomes, okay, I made the promise. I yeah. created an expectation of performance. Now let's talk about it strategically. How, how do I make that happen? How do I deliver on that promise? Well, um, I'm going to go back and say that means that you have to look at everything in your organization through the lens of that brand. Right. And once you have that brand identified, you have to also identify the different audiences that you're speaking to, both internally and externally. I know uh, Eric talked a little bit about internal branding before. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that is where you start uh, because if you don't have your people on board with the brand, the, the message is going to be confused uh, on the other side. A- absolutely. But you also have to identify the touch points for each of your audiences. And this is where strategy comes in play, is that who are your audiences, what do they believe, where can you best touch them, and then how do you communicate that message in a way that gets them to be not only a customer, but somebody who is actually bringing you more customers, who is using And it's, um, it's one of those things that um, uh, most companies don't think about when they're making decisions about the structure of the organization, the people they hire, and the way they're going to put their business model together. 
uh, I believe there are three business models in the world. There's uh, product and price, which means you have to do a lot of volume, right. Walmart. There's innovation, where you have to do uh, new things all the time. Uh, and that can work well for a little while, and you can have high margins, right. but nobody really can mm-hmm. do that forever. And then there's trusted advisor. And if you can get to be the point of being a trusted advisor to your customer, whether you're selling a product, a service, or you're doing something you know, uh, informational, it's that relationship that actually causes the highest price per customer, and the trust right. level allows you to do the best work for your customer. So that's that's what we're trying to do when we're branding companies right. is to move them to that trusted advisor. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I couldn't agree more because what, what Charles is basically saying here is that as a business owner, uh, you you have to choose between those three because they are exclusionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience was uh, that you had to be really good at one and at least adequate at a second, the third one you could ignore, but it was kind of a one-two punch. Uh, has that been your experience? It has. It has. I do think you have to think about all three of them, um, but you have to have one as your primary focus. And when you do that, it actually guides You know, kind of what we're talking about today is right. how you do your research to figure out, um, what is uh, the you know the 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 thing that makes customers love you? Um, right. You know what is that promise you make? What are the products you offer? What are the services you provide? Okay, mm-hmm. so let's how, how do you go about that? Let's 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 get to that piece because I think that most people should be on board with what we're talking about. Okay. They want to go. Okay, I, how do I do it? Well, can I do one more thing real quick oh, before yeah. we get? Oh yeah, um, no, it's yours. Yeah, your segment. <laughs> okay. Well, I think when you conduct brand research is also as important as how you do it. Okay. Um, I think there are five basic ways, uh, places that you do brand research. As when you're a new company and have a new brand, you know, you've got to define the competitive set and then understand your position within it. We've talked about that earlier. Now, there's also, if you're an existing company, there's a thing called brand elasticity. You know, if I want to launch something new or if I want to change how I'm doing something, how is that going to impact my customers? How are they going to understand that? Um, when you're merging companies, you may have to change your whole brand architecture, but you want to do it in a way that you can retain your current customers and maybe even attract a new market by changing the architecture. In, in fact, it may, it may determine whether you, who you merge with. Exactly. No doubt. But in the, in the beginning piece, that yeah. is the, the big thing is about, you know, does our brand looking through that lens mean that we would, we, who we want to work with in the future or the past, I mean, to, 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 to go forward as an organization. Um, the other two are in managing your company day to day. A brand is an, as I said before, is an organizational decision making tool. So, it, and if you can get it down to the day to day understanding of your role in the business at every level of the business, wow, different things you make. I worked with Virginia Farm Bureau on branding uh, years ago, and they went from being uh, having a negative awareness to a positive awareness to ten thousand new customers by just working internally on the brand. And then they did the external and became a top 50 property and casualty insurer. So if you get that brand as your lens, managing the company is great. The fifth is revitalizing your company and revitalizing your brand. If you're noticing that the market is shifting, that your customers are evolving and what their needs and desires are, you you may need to evolve your brand. It doesn't mean you change what you stand for, but it may change how you communicate it. Okay. Now, in doing the research, step one, is to understand why you're doing the research. Uh, most companies look at research as something to gain information in general, and they don't really have a strict purpose for it. So you need to have a purpose for your research. The second piece of it, I think, is understanding that um, 
what you're going to do with it once you have it. So it's at the beginning of what's the purpose of it, then once you have it, how do you implement it? Number two and three, uh, the, the middle pieces are, no, step one is to think in terms of uh, methodology. And today there are thousands of different types of methods. We can't really go through all of them today. But, um, you know, there are uh, things that are the traditional, the focus groups, and now today you've got things like uh, social media. Yeah. Uh, Doritos just did market research through social media to determine what new flavors work in what parts of the country. And it's, it's been phenomenal, the success of that. Um, we, we do a lot of both of those at Firestarter. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where we look at the organization and who they are, and then we figure out how best to go forward to get them the information okay. they want for the budget they have. Okay. So... You know, obviously, we covered a lot of ground. If somebody wanted to get started with this, they wanted to take a look at either looking at their brand in the marketplace or beginning to come up with a strategy to implement it. Uh, Charles, how do they get in? How do they get in touch with you? How can you start helping them? Well, there are a couple of ways you can get in touch with us. Um, one is through our website. It's probably the easiest place to start. It's the it's firestartergroup.com. Okay. And uh, you know, personally, they can just send me an email. My email is charles at firestartergroup.com. Excellent, and I'll, I'll have you up on the resource page. Great. Um, and so they'll be able to contact you there. And if you got anything for me, I'll put that up there as well. So for anybody out there, uh, check out the resource page tomorrow, and you'll have uh, copies of today's show. Uh, Charles, it's good seeing you again. It's been a long time since we worked together. Yes, sir. And you take care. Uh, and appreciate it. And thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the session on strategy. And so now what we're going to do is that we're now going to take the same, the same issue about doing the market research only now we're going to shift from Charles' conversation strategically. We're now going to shift more tactically. And Mike Carroll from Sandler uh, Training is going to be here. And Mike is going to talk about that from terms of, all right, let's look at this from a marketing and sales perspective. So welcome back to the show, Mike. Been a couple weeks. You looking good this morning? Thanks, Bill. Always excited to be here. A uh, couple great topics. One oh, of my yeah. favorite is uh, is looking at market trends. Okay, uh, so I know that uh, a lot of good information has been passed, and with branding and what Charles was speaking of, and of course Linda talked about some things when you, when you're trying to increase the top line, how we need to be in tune to various functions around right. uh, around sales. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, market trends. Probably one of my most favorite topics. My background being distribution, but. You know, typically a trend starts when some variable, you know, changes the buying processes or the how your customer, your target customer, uh, is is buying. Right. And that is really uh, it. May be the change. Maybe is maybe is how they're buying. Maybe it's why they're buying. Uh, maybe it's uh, how they receive the product how they order the product. So those are the types of trends that, uh, you know, that we have to be aware of. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, when you think about it, I think folks, oftentimes market trends can be a threat. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in business, uh, we've always got to be trying to predict and take threats and turn them into opportunities. Yeah, I, I you know, I look at this like a stockbroker does. Uh, you know, somebody plays Wall Street, and the, and, the, and the mantra is the trend is my friend rather than getting annoyed by the trend going, okay, it's going that way. I can't do anything about it. 
So what does that say about my business? And in in, in this particular case, if I'm faster than the competition, the trend truly is my friend because by the time they figure it out, I'm already going to be in that spot. The old Gretzky. I know where the the winning shot's coming from. I'm going there because somebody's going to pass it to me. You know, and, and we'll get in a little bit more. Yeah. I'd like to talk as far as how do we go about it. And I think uh, what you're what you're referring to is is absolutely what we have to be anticipating. You right. know, but I, I want to touch a little bit on the importance. I really, when you look at, if you got all the operationals and as Linda talked about the financials, we got to get all those things in order. But I look at market trends as being critical to the sustainability and the growth of right. income. And I mean, when you look at that, and, I mean, we can look at some of the things that go on that have been happening in our market area. I mean, basically, yeah, I, when, well, you know, the Circuit City scenario. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Say a little bit more about that. Well, basically, if you go back and look at that case study, and, and there's a lot of variables that came into play, but market yeah. trends were one of the things that really started their decline. There were other variables, when, and then Best Buy was really that went was setting trends. Right. And, you know, this is... As a small business owner in my previous life, when you look at trends, market trends, and you and you look at sales strategies and so forth, as a small business, uh, I think you have one of your best sources of research is to is to stay in t- touch with similar larger, oh yeah, operations corporations that are in your type of of industry or business, and and you can learn a lot from that. But then you, I mean, there's a number. Well, you look at the convenience stores, Bill. I mean, look at, you know, what uh, the oil companies did to 7-Eleven. Right. Okay. 7-Eleven could put gas pumps in. Oil company says, wow, you know, we got these people coming in. These customers are coming in. Why not have convenient items there? Drinks, food. Uh, Let let me take that a step further and get your response to this. If they raise the, this is not a political show, so we're not talking politics. If they raise the minimum wage, here's my prediction. Here's a trend I see. Go to Sheets. Right now, it's sheets. You don't have, when you order, you do it with a machine. The new trend is going to be if we raise the minimum wage, there will be nobody taking orders at McDonald's or any other spot. You put it in a computer, and the only humans will be making it and delivering it. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, you took, you took sheets away from me. I oh, okay. one of the, Well, no, sheets in Wawa. If you yeah. go back and look at the convenience store, and by the way, we got to give. Uh, we got to give Seven Eleven credit. You know they went in Chapter Eleven, but they came out, right? Restructured themselves, and and got right into the trend. But if you look at Sheets or if you look at Wawa, uh, they've progressed along. You know, picking the trends up, setting trends themselves. Yeah. From, you know, to coffee to food and so forth. Now, in your, you know, your question, uh, I think they're trends that everybody's got to be looking at. Okay, and right. what you're saying is that, and I think in small business, that's almost a benefit because small businesses are more nimble. They that's can right. move. You can make changes. I go, you, can well, you and I are running little speedboats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, we, we ain't running no big tankers that take 10 miles and turn this thing around. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think that trends, understanding trends, it, it, it makes you do a number of things. You know, one of the things I would say is, is that you really do need to be focused on trends. As far as I'm concerned, how do you, one of the things as far as how to do it, you should have a session with your sales teams and anybody involved in the growth of your business to be looking at trends. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I say that um, because it, it makes you really look at 
what's it doing to my existing customers? You know, we talked about we, we talked about the core. Right. The, Last the show spot. we talked about where is the sweet spot based upon right. who you have. Right. Doesn't this help you identify where the sweet spot may be for who you don't have and should go get? Right, because we want to talk a little bit about the ideal prospect. Yeah. Well, what we don't want to do is get we get so focused on okay, we know this is our sweet spot, this is our ideal customer. Well, if we we look at trends, hey, you go to your existing those sweet spot customers, and they're a good source of information oh, for yeah. you. Yep. Plus, if a trend's coming, it may allow you to go deeper and wider. Okay, uh-huh. sell them more goods. As Linda said, hey, well, how can I increase my top line? Well, can I can I look at uh, at my existing clients? Right. Okay. Um, so, understanding trends really, and if you commit to do that, okay, commit to focus, and that's what I'm saying. Put trends. You should have a session once a month or whatever to talk about trends. You know, how do uh-huh. we how do we really do the research well look at your existing customers maybe introduce them to trends gives you an opportunity there and then at the same time a trend may call for a revision of what my ideal prospect looks like absolutely okay yeah i mean and that's it's a it's an exciting topic and i think that it's one that uh that really brings us to it makes us better you know better business operator so to speak and, mm-hmm. and when i say that i just think sometimes in small business we get so so involved in the day-to-day fire right that we don't we don't look forward enough so um you know the other thing is is when you're when you're doing some research and i say research be monitoring your existing customers as well as be looking at what trends have affected your target market in the past yeah. And try to be creative with that. You know, be proactive. Here's the here's the word. I love this in sales. Hey, are we proactive or are we reactive? And if we're reactive, we're vulnerable. Right, because okay? we're last. If we're reactive, we're we, we're usually last. So that's. Uh, and I think we always are looking ways to differentiate ourselves. I know Eric mentioned that a session or so. How do we differentiate ourselves? Trends will give us those opportunities. Right. Uh, and again, I say look at the bigger companies, you know, look at manufacturers, watch mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, okay, well, so. let me pick up on that, Mike. So in, uh, how do I do that? If I'm a business owner and I'm on board, you've convinced me i got to do it. Right. What do I do? How do I do this? Well, there's a number of ways. Okay, uh, you know, you can go You can go to our website. we got lots right. of information out there, focusbusiness.sandler.com. And there's lots of content out there. And if you don't find what you're looking for, just send us an email right from the website. Okay. Uh, and, and we'll certainly get back to you. Okay. Um, do, do you guys use Google Alerts at all to uh, look at trends? Well, <coughs> my assistant Patrick does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm a yeah, little Yeah, I knew bit, the answer to that before I asked it. <laughs> I'm a little old-fashioned. But one of the things I was in distribution, so you do you had to be creative, you yeah. know, you know when internet ordering came in. Look what Amazon. I mean, Best Buy came in and really hammered on Circuit City. Amazon is now hammering on them. Amen. Amazon's going to put Best Buy out of business unless Best Buy can think about how to change their business model. So that's all. I've, and and they haven't. They really haven't changed. Those technologies are available right to the small business. 
And that's the beauty of it. And um, last week we had uh, Lee Tron on from Firestarter talking about how technology can make any small business big. Look big, feel big, act big. Exactly. Okay, Mike. So how do they get a hold of you? Well, close it out. Again, uh, go to our website, focusbusiness.sandler.com, and I'll give them my cell number, 804-337-2898. Call at about 2 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Hey, my pleasure. Good seeing you again. Thank you. And we'll be back. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, the three biggest sales mistakes you should never make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. back this is wlee news talk 990 this the show is richmond biz live from beautiful downtown richmond and we are business talk radio uh, making a difference for every business out there in fact the one thing that we can say we've been doing is we're growing richmond's a business uh, richmond's economy one business at a time uh this is your host bill eastman i'm back and um, I've got the next segment, and I'm going to be talking about owner as executive. Um, kind of an interesting theme, one that I live all the time. And um, I'm sure I've said this before, but let me say it again. The context of this is that as a small business owner, um, you're used to running everything, and it becomes kind of a, a hub-and-spoke operation. You're the hub of the wheel. Everybody that works for you is a spoke. And as long as the number is seven, eight, nine, maybe ten people, you can pull that off. It's not that difficult to do. But what happens when you find yourself in an organization that's got 40, 50 people? Now, some small business owners are lucky enough that they are renegades from large corporations and had an opportunity to see uh, what happens as you get promoted throughout the organization. The difference in small business is it's not so much a promotion, is that the demands of growth place on the owner means that the owner's got to be able to change their role. And that's really what this is about is that you can either learn from somebody else on how to be an exec or go through the school hard knocks. What I'm going to try to do is close the gap on that. Now, what I've been doing, because I'm doing both this and the people segment on the off weeks, is I've been making this kind of a story. So let me take you through uh, my story so far. Week one, I talked about management involvement in terms of what should that look like from the business owner as the business is growing. And that how do you share the work vision? Because what you want people to do is you want them to see how the work ought to be done. Done on the people side, I was talking about how do I share data? Because the quickest way to get people into the game of business is to share data about, one, corporate objectives, where we're trying to take the business, and number two, what the customer thinks. And I think Charles just talked about it in terms of we put a brand statement out in the marketplace that says we're X, Y, and Z. If that's not the core values of the company, if that's not how we run the business, uh, I do wish you luck because you just wasted a lot of money on branding. 
Um, last uh, my show two weeks ago on owner's executive, uh, I talked about this issue of, okay, now all companies have a brand. They have some sort of vision, mission, values they're about as a firm. How, uh, the, you, it's really the role of the owner to be the vision. You've got to be it because people can't see it uh, unless you do it. And that what you're doing is you're trying to inspire people uh, toward not only the company but for the company's future. And in last week in the people segment, as you can kind of see this cascading down, we talked about goal setting and accountability on how critical it is to give people what I want to talk about this week called line of sight. If I want people engaged in the company and I want them working hard, they got to have line of sight to how what they, how they work, the work that they perform, how that impacts the overall business itself. And most people in the organization are clueless. As a matter of fact, I'll make a case that for most people, work is a hobby. And what I mean by a hobby is you go in, you do basically what you want to do, and then you go home and you get paid for it. Uh, that's a hobby to me. If I, if when it, when work is work is when you've got a list of tasks that are critical to the job, but really critical to the future of the business. Now we have something that I would call work. And so let me start off with number one, communicating key performance objectives. And that is providing the clear line of sight. Uh, so I'm trying to get everybody in the organization heading roughly west. You know, this is the direction that we're heading as a company. Because otherwise, a lot of companies move around like a crab, each leg kind of going its own direction. And for all this energy, it kind of circles the same spot. Now, if you're in dire trouble in your cash flow and your company's going down, you know, you're kind of circling around the bowl as, as the water's swirling. The idea behind this is to create a single vector of everybody heading in the same direction. And part of that is giving them feedback. How well are they doing? And so that if I'm not doing a good enough job, I know what needs to be done. I'm a firm believer that if people had real-time data on their performance, you would have less management responsibility to tell them what they ought to be doing. Um, why put yourself in that mode that you've already got, always got to deliver the news? Why not just say, hey, give them the data, let them see it, and then let them act, and then I'll deal with their response to it. Okay? Now, the other part of this um, is the issue of taking a look at what is the yardstick inside. So the other bullet we're going to cover is really around quality or customer service. I consider them the same thing, but sometimes you don't, so I want to talk about them separately. But basically, we either have an internal issue of it, what is the cost of doing that job, and that's time, that's labor, that's defects, and number two, when it was received externally, what was the response? Those are the really the things that I want to consider. And as Linda talked about in managing cash flow, and this is just um, my sixth startup experience, is that I always go after cost, cost, cost. Not stupid type of cost cutting, but I look at what it costs to make and why I'm a huge proponent of lean manufacturing is what lean is really about is cost at speed. Do it very fast and do it right. Now, what's the benefit? Well, the benefit is, uh, the first one, to give people line of sight, is that I do have the herd heading roughly west, and it becomes a huge multiplier of corporate performance. Let me give you an example of this, and I will talk about this client. I was, um, about 15 years ago, I was working with Bell South as Bell South was moving out of a regulatory space into basically free market. And they had uh, uh, Bell South Small Business Services, and they had not met their numbers for the last couple years, and they were selling basically phone and Internet services to small businesses. So what we did with them was we brought them together in December, and we worked on building a business strategy. Now, Charles talked a little bit about that. I'm not going there. 
But the big thing that happened was that by the end of December, we had a strategy put together where everybody had one or two goals that were theirs that led that rolled up and led directly to the performance of this particular division. And since they were in sales, they were predominantly commissioned in terms of they made their money, not in a paycheck, but they made their money um, from a commission check. By doing that process, they made their numbers in May of the following year, not in December. Now, there's nothing that I did that was extraordinary. What I did was able them to start the year in January, focused on it, and everybody knew that how they were going to push the needle in the right direction rather than it taking two or three months to get a strategy put together. And already you got to sub-optimize because it can't be a 12-month strategy. If it takes you two months to get it done, it's only a 10-month strategy. And so that is the type of thing I'm talking about, about in a small business when I don't have a lot of resources, how do I get everybody pulling in the same direction? And how do I get a small company to act like a big company, get people line of sight on what they need to be doing? And that's the benefit to me. And the, the other part of that is, is the issue of, People enjoy significance in their work. One of the things that is critical to most people is, what am I really doing? You, I mean, you can come up with enough money to bribe people. I, I sort of, when I was working with General Motors, um, I can have you doing a brainless job on the assembly line for 26 bucks an hour. Now, trust me if you say they're overpaid. Uh, on the one hand, skill set-wise, they're overpaid. On the other hand, if you had to do the same thing for eight hours a day, they'd have to bribe you as well. And so that $26 an hour was not for performance. That was bribery uh, for keeping people motivated. What really gets people in the game, however, is if they understand the significance of what they're doing and how they contribute. And so, and by doing that and doing it visually, which gets me to the next one, is that employ a, vis a visual management system where the data is posted in the appropriate spaces, in the office or on the floor, and you make people put the data up themselves. Because think about the dynamic here. I screwed up. I didn't do my job. I got to put my numbers up, and I'm going to expose myself to everybody in the factory floor or in the office that I'm screwing up. I can assure you that that behavior goes away pretty quickly because nobody's going to come out and admit that I'm screwing up. And what you find is that that by itself stimulates people to go, hey, maybe what I need to be doing is working a little bit harder or perhaps even better, a little bit more focused. The other way that I make that happen and um, I'm telling you what my game plan is on Tuesday when I take over, is the issue of structure, and that is every meeting is going to be about those line-of-sight goals. Any meeting that is not about that really doesn't have any purpose. We may be having a meeting about cost numbers. We may be having a meeting about customer satisfaction, but everything basically is going to get down to how are we pushing the needle on those particular goals that roll up to corporate objectives and in our case, take about a half a million dollars of cost out so that as sales increase, which it is right now for us, is that all of that is incredibly good money. And so um, anything else on that, I think I would recommend you go to the website, which is richmondbizlive.com. I'll have that up there for you uh, by tomorrow. And so that you can, what you basically can do is that you can take a look at that and see how to employ it in your company. So that kind of takes me to the last piece, which is my... Uh, featured guest. And my featured guest this week is a concept. And it's the third part of this model that uh, Linda and I have been talking about. And she gave me a great, even a better way of putting this, this 5, 15, 80, uh, 5% are elite, 15% are kind of okay, but not sure where they're going. And 80% are struggling. 
Um, look at the 80% is in search of break-even. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get there. The 15% are looking for a breakthrough. How do I get beyond break-even to make some money? And the 5% is a breakout. How do I kind of revolutionize and change what I'm doing? And so I thank Linda a great deal for that because in our conversations on the financial side of that, I said, she said that and I went, wow, what a way to say that. Okay. And so now let's talk about what we've, what we've done to date. Okay. And, um, as I, as I take that 515 concept, you know, we talk about on plan, on schedule, status of cases and the issue of on budget. Um, everything that we're doing is that if you can get a positive on this, you can move from the 80 to the 15, you can move from the break even to the break, uh, breakthrough. Um, now, the other part of this is that let's talk about what people need as a summary. Number one is they need to understand their role in the organization and um, what's the significance of the job, where do they fit into the process. Number two is they've got to have line of sight to the business objectives so that they can make their personal contribution to the firm. And then number three, they need feedback on how well they're doing and where they need to improve. And I can tell you if they're getting the feedback naturally from having to post the numbers, it'll save you a lot, a lot of issues related to providing performance feedback to people. Um, now, uh, today's shows, and Linda talked about managing cash flow, and we're going to be coming back to that in, um, in two weeks, but she's going to have something on the website. Uh, and um, I, I just, give you, just give you something to, to twist your head around. Um, do this right now. If you, if you are not in a car, sit down, take out a piece of paper, and write this down. How long does it take you? Uh, how much money does it take to run the business? Take, put all your fixed costs down, variable costs you pick up in the manufacturing or in the making of something. What does it cost you to keep your doors open for a year? Okay. All right. Divide that by the number of days you're actually open. What you now have is what it costs you to run the business. And so, for example, my, uh, my, the, my friends down in Roanoke, Virginia, down in Southwest Virginia, it cost them $9,000 a day to keep the doors open. We've just saved, on average, six days in accounts receivable. Six times nine is we just saved them $54,000 of working capital, which will have a positive impact on their cash flow. Then Charles talked about conducting market research, and he talked about it from the branding perspective to say, how is my brand, how is my brand being perceived in the marketplace? Do we have the traction? Is there anything happening that's changing how my brand is being perceived and then turning around and talking about this from a strategic standpoint in terms of what is happening out there. Um, and then, uh, Mike picked that up and said, let's take a look at what that research is telling us in terms of trends. And the issue with trends is they're, they are your friend. The, the trend is what it is. Um, you can get annoyed about it or you could say, okay, that's a given. What impact does it have on my current customer base? What impact does it have on future customers? And I'm going to get there before anybody else. And then finally, the last piece was on the game, is giving people line of sight and their ability to contribute long-term to how well the, for, uh, the firm is performing. And the whole thing here, the whole thing is about significance, is that if people understand their significance of day-to-day -day effort, of their labor, then what you can do is you can quickly separate the good employees from the bad employees. Now, let me talk about uh, next Saturday. Next Saturday, we're going to have Mary Foley back, and she's going to be talking about uh, thought leadership, taking it to the next step. 
Andy Schulich's going to be back, and we're going to be really drilling down on lean. So everything we discussed this week is going to be related to linking goals and process, linking processes and goals together, and so that everybody is part of a process. Because if you think of most businesses now, as a small company, not a problem. You basically have organized functionally. You got these different departments. However, at some point, what you're going to find is you're going to want to organize the company based upon process because a process that goes across functions, what typically happens there is the you get handoffs, you get defects. And so that's where Andy and I are going to be going next week. And then and Lee is going to be in and, and we is going to be in talking about CRM and specifically collecting customer data so that you can manage the relationship with, with your customers in a systematic and automatic and automated way. And then um, I'm going to uh, continue on this subject of significance and talk a little bit more about how to make people feel as if they're really part of the business, not just an employee who I'm paying on Fridays. Uh, so with that, I greatly appreciate you being with us uh, today. Everything will be on the website tonight. And um, to all of our listeners and anybody that's listening to our podcast, Wealth and Prosperity. Your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. This is Richmond's home for money. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.